Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are exploring the lives of men and women in the Bible, with a focus towards God's faithfulness therein. Today we consider John the Baptist, the forerunner of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. You can find more information about our ministry by visiting us at seaoffire.org, or you can view James' latest videos on YouTube at Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope this message serves to edify the church. All right, as we return to our series, Men and Women of the Bible, we are now approaching the pages of the New Testament and considering the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist. We've made the point that even Jesus said, you know, among those who have been born of women, there's risen none greater other than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, which is somewhat of a mysterious um, statement, however, a very encouraging one to me as I consider myself the least in the kingdom of God. So now, the ministry of John the Baptist, I think, I think gets overlooked sometimes uh, in the church. So I want to take some time to kind of consider most of what is mentioned in the Gospels regarding John the Baptist. Now, as we also know, there was a period of 400 years of the intertestamental period. And I just want us to kind of reflect on how long 400 years is. I mean, it's, it was a little over 400 years, 1620, when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. So, I mean, there's a lot has, that, has been, that has transpired since then. I mean, the Declaration of Independence was signed a little less than 250 years ago. So generations have come and gone and just consider how much has changed in that time frame. I mean, it's six, 400 years ago is still kind of the infancy of the Reformation, of the Protestant Reformation. And one of my favorite books, Pilgrim's Progress, wasn't even written. So, you know, again, 400 years doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. And all of a sudden, this, this prophet comes out of nowhere, comes out of the wilderness to start preaching to these people. And again, I just think we should kind of imagine the first time this man came out, clothed in camel skin and a leather belt around his waist. He was a Nazarite, so he had long raggedy hair, long beard. He just comes out and starts preaching a baptism of repentance. And again, remember, the baptism at that time was for proselytes. Once you were circumcised, once you were converting into Judaism as a Gentile, you had to be circumcised, and then you had to undergo this rite of baptism, basically a washing, a cleansing. And we'll get into baptism in our, in our following message. So baptism in particular, we, we will wait to speak of with that. But he comes on the scene preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, again, and we'll make this a point as well, but he came in the spirit of Elijah. Since we consider Elijah, let's remember that most of Elijah's ministry was on the east side of the Jordan. And the east side of the Jordan was was where the the Israelites during the ministry, during the time of Joshua, crossed over into the promised land. And I, I see something of a reflection of since Christ is coming on the scene, John is now preparing the way of the Lord. Remember, Elijah was kind of restoring the kingdom. Remember, it was divided, and years later, um, this Ahab, this terrible, wicked king Ahab, and his wife Jezebel were brought much idolatry into the nation of Israel. And that was mostly what Elijah's ministry was for, 
to return the people out of idolatry. That's why he had that big conflict with the prophets of Balaam, or the prophets of Baal. So that that's kind of all I want to consider, kind of introduce. It's the way I want to introduce John the Baptist, other than to consider again uh, most of what's contained in the New Testament, in the Gospels in particular. Now. Two Old Testament passages, these are the main passages that refer to, Eli to Elijah to come, to John the Baptist. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh, flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, we've also made the point that this is basically creating a pathway for the king. When the king was coming to visit, you would make new roads, and you would make them nice and smooth and straight. You know, and that's what this is signifying. The king is coming. The king is coming. And we'll, we'll see what John the Baptist himself says. We spoke about the axe at the root of the tree. However, he gets into the winnowing fan, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. But the other one is Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a, with a curse. Now another thing I just want to say is I find it interesting, remember David's best friend, Jonathan, kind of was basically kind of giving and making ready the kingdom for David. Remember he already knew that he wasn't going to be king. And he was so humble, he humbled himself because he knew God had anointed David. So he was kind of preparing the kingdom for David as well. So we have a Jonathan and we have John the Baptist. Now, Jonathan means Jehovah is a gracious giver or has given. I'm sorry. And John, Ionas in Greek means uh, Jehovah has Jehovah is a gracious giver and, jo and Jonathan means Jehovah has given so they have very similar names and they're both instrumental in the ministry of David the first technical king of Israel and then David's eventual son the Messiah Jesus Christ so now the first verse of the first uh, part of the gospel I want to consider is the angel Gabriel coming to uh, John the Baptist's father. John the Baptist is also referred to as John the Baptizer, depending on what gospel you're reading. It's the same thing, but it's just a different name. So, the, uh, it's chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth, Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. There's the Nazarite vow. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. 
And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, there's Malachi, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So again, this is just emphasizing what we already know of John the Baptist before we get into John the Baptist. Now, when remember, after Mary, after the angel had come to Mary, she went and visited her cousin Elizabeth, who was six months along there. And when Mary showed up, and when she spoke, the babe leapt in Elizabeth's womb. John the Baptist, again, the angel Gabriel had already said he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And John the Baptist celebrates in his mother's womb, just at the voice of the mother of the Messiah. He already knows as a babe because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. It's, 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 it's truly sovereign from God himself. So ch uh, Luke chapter 1 through uh, verses 76 through 79. This is Zacharias' prophecy over John. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and, and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So that's what his ministry is, to preach a baptism for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. And that's what, and we will see, that's exactly what he, what he preaches. Now John's self-testimony, actually first I want to read what John the apostle said about him in chapter 1 verse uh, of the gospel of John chapter 1 uh, verses 6 through 8 there was a man sent from God whose name was John this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light and we'll see he kept on being well we'll see here his self his self witness to the priests and the, Sadd the Sadducees and the Pharisees came and basically asked him who he was. This, this is very scandalous to the Jew at that time. Because again, the, the baptism was for proselytes. The, the Jews, they were children of Abraham, so they were already a people of God. So the Pharisees come on the scene and basically like, what are you doing? What is this whole baptism thing for Jews? We're already children of Abraham, so who are you? By what authority do you do these things? That kind of context. So, uh, chapter, continuing in chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Now, this is a testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not, did not deny, but confessed, I am the Christ. John, John's gospel is, as you've seen, I'm sure, he, he phrases things in these interesting ways, but this leaves no doubt. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. So he, he keeps both sides of the equation, just shuts this out, that he emphatically denied that he was the Messiah and confessed that he wasn't. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. And we'll talk about that shortly, after a little bit of time. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. That comes from Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah, as the prophet Isaiah said, 
Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. And we've discussed this, but he's saying, I baptize with water. Let's remember that before we go into the next session. We've, we've made this clear, but he baptizes with water for cleansing, for the remission or the forgiveness of sins before the one to come will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And again, we'll get into that in our next message. Now, John's preaching is found in, I mean, in all the Gospels, but we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Which is kind of like what Jesus said when he was coming in riding on the colt, on the donkey. <laughs> and, you know, this is his triumphal entry. And the, and the Jews are basically telling him to quiet the people down, to stop this praise. And he says, basically, if these people remain quiet, these stones would start crying out and start worshiping. So, um, and, and, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, the tree, therefore, every tree which does not bear good, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And remember, we've made this clear. The, the imagery that he's saying is like the lumberjack going out, and, he's, and it's not like he's starting to kind of sharpen his axe and getting ready to start cutting down the tree. He has struck it and struck it and struck it into the core of the tree, and one more blow, and this tree will come tumbling down. And that's what John is saying. That's what John is saying. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will, be, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Okay, this winnowing fan. Everybody gets the idea of a fan like at an opera or somewhere where you're hot and a little fan. A winnowing fan is basically a winnowing fork. Okay, so you, on the threshing floor, you have grain and you have chaff. You know, you, you, you pick the wheat and instead of going through the pile and kind of separating them like that, you would get this fork, you would get this tool, and you would just scoop it up. You just scoop up the whole pile and just with a little little tug you know a little lifting the chaff would come up well all of it would come up but just the slightest zephyr the slightest bit of wind would blow the chaff away and david gets into that in the psalm it's like the chaff which the wind blows away which we've seen so that's what this winnowing fan is is to separate the true grain from the chaff which will be burnt in unquenchable fire so, and this is what he's saying. He's this one is coming. Remember, we've made this point. He's, John the Baptist is basically saying, the king is coming and you are not ready. You need a bath. You need to be cleansed. You need to be clean. You need to repent, turn from sin, and turn to righteousness. That's what repentance is. Remember, it's a turning from and it's a turning to. But he's emphasizing this, this, we're turning away from wickedness and we are turning to the one to come, the one who's mightier than I am. I am not the Christ. 
okay, but I'm baptizing with water. However, the axe is laid at the root of the tree, and this one is has his winnowing fan in his hand. Again, he's not he's not getting ready. He's not walking to the threshing floor. He's not you know getting his winnowing fan ready and so forth. He is he is there at the threshing floor, about to start separating the wheat from the chaff. Okay, and that's what John the Baptist is saying. Be, get ready. Get ready. Continuing, um, this is the baptism of Jesus, just continuing along in Matthew chapter 3, so starting at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Now let's remember that before we go into our session. This is to fulfill all righteousness. Now again, John the Baptist is a bit perplexed by this. He knows, and we'll see how he knows, but he knows that this is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And, you know, he's here to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So this is who we've been waiting for. This is who I've been waiting for. And why are you coming to me to be baptized? Now remember, Jesus Christ had to fulfill all the law. And now this, this law from this prophet, this new prophet, the last of the Old Testament prophets, God has commanded the baptism of repentance. So Jesus Christ himself must undergo this baptism. And we'll talk again, we'll get into that. But I don't have this included. James and John are asking, well, his, their mother, James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, the two apostles, their brothers, and their mother really asked Jesus if, you know, he would grant that one would sit at his right hand and one would sit at his left hand in glory. All the apostles end up getting upset at him. But when, when Jesus is discussing this with John and James, he says, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm, with which I'm baptized? And they don't understand what he's saying. They're still thinking this baptism of water. What he was talking about was the baptism of his death. Before we get into this, that's one of the things that our baptism signifies. Dying with Christ and being raised with Christ. Again, we'll get into that. But this is what this baptism is. Now, this is part of why he also had to be baptized. To fulfill all righteousness, but to also to signify. This is the difference. This is one of the differences between the baptism, the apostolic baptism, so the baptism of the New Testament and the baptism of John. They're very similar. They're, they have much in common. Much in common. They're both baptisms of repentance. However, John's was exclusively a, a baptism of repentance, pointing to the Messiah. Now ours is in the Messiah. Okay. Now, continuing on, verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father speaks audibly a few times during Jesus' ministry. Another time is on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus is speaking to Moses and to Elijah and Peter thinks that this is a great time to set up some tabernacles for them. Let's chill here forever. you know. And, and God the Father even says there 
this is my son, listen to him. I know you've been raised, you know, under the precepts of uh, Moses and you know the story of Elijah, but this is my son, listen to him. Okay, so, and, and there's, so that, those are two of the times. Now, going back to the Gospel of John, I want to just consider what, uh, how John kind of knew he was, he was Christ. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and, and said, this is the Agnes Day, the Agnes Day. This is kind of the song. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now remember, Jesus Christ was born after John the Baptist, but Jesus Christ is eternal. And John the Baptist knows that the Messiah to come is eternal. Okay, and so he, he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing him with water. Now, what he's saying is not that he wasn't familiar with him. They were cousins. And I have to imagine they saw each other from time to time. You know, Mary had gone and visited Elizabeth while she was pregnant and while, just after she had received that message from the angel. And so I think they were familiar. But John the Baptist didn't know that his cousin was the Messiah. However, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, God told him, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist was told, was told by God himself, it was revealed to him that the one you see, the Spirit of God descending upon like a dove, this is he who baptizes with the Spirit. That's how he knew. And that's why he tells the people, behold, behold, look. Whenever you see the word behold, it's, it's, it's an emphatic call to pay attention. This is a great thing. Behold, the Lamb of God, not the Paschal, not just the Paschal Lamb, not, not, not a lamb to change every year, you know, a new lamb every year. This is the Lamb of God. This is God's Lamb. This is not a lamb that we've chosen. This is a lamb that God the Father has chosen. Okay. So going back to, now, going to when John the Baptist's disciples are kind of complaining and we'll see that, but they're kind of complaining that now Jesus and his apostles, his disciples, are now baptizing, and they're kind of jealous, so to speak, and they're bringing this to John's attention as if he's going to have a problem with this. So, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, Jesus didn't baptize anybody, but now John also was baptizing in Aonon near Salim because there was so there was much water there and they came and were baptized for John had not been not yet been thrown into prison we'll talk about that then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. 
He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. He either gives it or he doesn't give it. <laughs> um, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Now, so this is John's testimony to his disciples now. Basically, he must increase, but I must decrease. Go follow this one. This is the one I've been pointing you toward, okay? I appreciate you've been under my ministry. You've been within this ministry. You've been very helpful. I appreciate your, you know, your faithfulness to me and your concern, but your concern is unwarranted. I've been telling you this whole time that he who is coming after me is much greater than I am, and I've been pointing this whole baptism is about this one to come. So go follow him. He has been sent from God himself. Okay, and he who is from above speaks the words from above. He speaks God's words specifically. Okay, I have this I have this message. I've been revealed this message, and this is what I'm giving, but this one comes from heaven. Follow him. He must increase, and I'm glad about this. You know, it's it he's the bridegroom. I'm a friend. I'm like the best man. Okay, and so I rejoice when I hear his voice. I rejoice when I see him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Follow this one. I <laughs> came baptizing with water. And he's this is a humble, humble prophet. Wonderful prophet. Wonderful, faithful prophet. That's why Jesus says, contextually, regarding the prophets of the Old Testament, there's been none greater that has been born of women than this one. Except yet. He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Okay, now I want to jump to John, the, the account of John's death, and then we'll talk about um, some of what... Well, remember that time when John, the, John sends his disciples to Jesus asking, are you the one to come? And so we'll kind of conclude with that one, okay? Remember, we're trying to keep these kind of shorter. Okay, now in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, this is recorded in other, way, in other parts, but I, this one gives a better synopsis and one, um, one uh, testimony. So Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 14. Now King Herod heard of him. This is Herod Antipas. Not, it's Herod the Great's son. Remember, and then Agrippa comes after him. But this is Antipas. Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. He's talking about, they're talking about Jesus. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. He thinks John the Baptist is, has been resurrected as this Jesus Christ fellow who's going around doing all these miracles and so forth. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he, for he, had, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. They never gotten divorced. And even if they had gotten divorced, it's totally illegal for Herod to marry his brother's wife. Okay, that, that's a huge scandal. So again, reflective of Elijah, 
having this problem with Jezebel and Ahab for bringing her in. And John the Baptist is speaking to this king, this tetrarch, okay? But he's, he's a king. He's technically the king of Judea and Samaria, okay? But he's technically a tetrarch, so he's kind of, he rules at the behest of the Caesar. However, John the Baptist, because he's the Jewish king, so to speak, the Jewish monarch, he's, he's rebuking him. He rebuked him. So Herod imprisoned him, and then the account of his, his beheading is, is, begins in verse 19. Therefore, Herodias, that's Herod's wife now, okay, held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod freed, feared John. Herod feared John. He didn't want to kill him knowing that he was a just and holy man, he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced, and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Okay, now, now this is a great pomp and circumstance <laughs> that's going on for his birthday. So he's rewarding her for this dance on behalf of his birthday. Okay, so he's saying, ask whatever you want and I'll give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, you know, I mean, this was said in front of everybody, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Um, as we consider the, the, the conclusion of, of when he was questioning on whether or not Jesus was the Christ. Because John the Baptist likely didn't expect to be beheaded. I, I, I kind of doubt that he expected to be executed. Remember, he's kind of expecting this Messiah, the, this political warrior, this king to come, destroy all their enemies. This, is, this was generally the Jewish, you know... Um, end times eschatological expectation they expected the messiah to come destroy all their enemies and rule and reign forever and that's what john the baptist seemingly expected okay so we'll, we'll again we'll consider that um, shortly one of the last things i want to say consider before we consider that account is as jesus is coming down the from the mount of transfiguration we kind of briefly talked about this but now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the, do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things, just, Elijah, just as Elijah did. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Now remember, John the Baptist confessed that he, was, that he said, I am not Elijah. Now, he came in the spirit 
of Elijah, in the ministry of Elijah. It wasn't that Elijah was coming back, you know, because he, he had been taken up into heaven. And so the expectation was that, G, that God was just going to send him right back down. He ascended by the chariots of fire, so he's going to send him back down in the chariots of fire. And that's, and John is making this clear that no, 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 I'm not that Elijah. I am the Elijah. I came in the spirit of Elijah to restore all things. So Jesus is saying he is Elijah to come. And, and he will get into that again in this last uh, part that I want to consider. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, yeah, all of chapter 11. Well, we'll, we'll read up until chapter uh, verse 15. Now it came to pass... When Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, this is before he's beheaded, obviously. This is while John's in prison. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes regarding, concerning John, what did you go out to see? Go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothings, soft clothing, are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly. I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him here. This is this is Jesus. Whenever he's trying to emphasize something, he says, "He who has ears to hear, those who are who are willing to accept it, this is Elijah to come." And since the law and the prophets, he's the final one to come before my coming. Now here I am. But recognize this man and appreciate this man. Who did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Did you go to see somebody arrayed in fine garments? Did you go out to see this great and awesome spectacle? No. Did you go out to see a prophet? Yes. Yes, he is a prophet. And much more than a prophet. For he is the one who is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. This is the prophet. All the prophets, remember, and the law were pointing to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist is the final prophet preparing his way. That's why he's much greater than just the prophet in that sense. So, he tells his disciples to return to John, just like you read in Isaiah, that the one, the Messiah, is going to you know, heal the deaf to hear, that he's going to heal the lepers to cleanliness, he's going to, the, the lame will walk and dance, and that's ex- exactly what John, Jesus' ministry was. But again, John the Baptist and all the Jews at that time are expecting the Messiah, the King, to come and reign. 
to reign there. Now, so J John is somewhat disillusioned. However, this word, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's Jesus' last kind of rebuke to John the Baptist. This is their seemingly last communication. Okay? And it does say in, I think it's the Gospel of Mark, after John, after John the Baptist was beheaded and Jesus heard about it, he went away to be alone. Jesus goes to be alone many different times to go pray, to pray for his father. Sometimes all night or all day for a great ex extended period of time. Again, in his humanity, his ministry was very burdensome. And so he had to go away for a time, a time to himself and to be with his father. But John the Baptist is starting to question this. Are you the one to come or should we look for another? He saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, but according to John the Baptist's expectations, he's not coming to destroy the Romans. I appreciate that you're healing everybody. That's cool to the glory of God. I really appreciate that. But when are you going to wipe our enemies away? Here I am stuck in prison. Are you the one to come or should we look for another? And then Jesus himself sends this comforting message back with this rebuke. Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And John had to be comforted, but then he's probably questioning, okay, well, is my expectation just unfounded? And possibly, God willing, I like to think that he started remembering the testimony of all the Old Testament scriptures. And he started to re remember that about the suffering servant, which we'll consider in our next message. The suffering servant, the servant to come, the Messiah to come, had to suffer. He had to suffer. But John the Baptist and the Jews at that time wouldn't really remember that. They wouldn't emphasize that. The eschatological expectation, especially during this whole 400 years, you know, they had the Maccabean revolt, but now they're suffering under the tyranny and the oppression of Rome. And John the Baptist was likely wondering, am I going to die in this prison? Or, like Elijah, will God the Father send chariots of fire and save me? And so, when the executioner came to behead him, I think two things happened. Again, speculation, okay? Not found in the Bible. Two things happened. A little bit of disappointment. There had to be a little bit of disappointment. Had to be. Had to be. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. He came to prepare the way of the Messiah, humbly. And he kept on pointing people to him. This is the baptism of repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. But there's one coming, much mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not even worthy to untie. Okay? So, one slightly of disappointment. You know, the king has come. This Lamb of God is here. What is this about? And then, and then again, somewhat of a reminder, probably because again, he was indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He was blessed with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that somewhat in our next message as well. He was given the charisma of the Holy Spirit, just like all the prophets were in the Old Covenant. And so he remembered Back to, the, back to the testimonies of the suffering servant and how, many, how many of the other prophets suffered the same martyrdom. 
Isaiah was cut asunder. He was cut in two. These, these prophets always suffered. We've seen the ministry of Jeremiah, much suffering. Ezekiel, much suffering. These prophets always suffered at the hand of their brothers, the hand of Israel specifically, and some of the Gentile nations. However, he had to be comforted. I think eventually he was glad to give his life as a testimony to the people now leading into the Lamb of God. Didn't expect it. The people would not have expected this. But this is a great testimony of, from God. It's sad and it's most unfortunate that he's paraded with his head on a platter, brought out into this birthday party. What a pathetic scene. However, by God's providence, He's also pointing to, hey, my son is going to be a spectacle like this. You will mock him while he's naked on a cross. It will be so much worse than John the Baptist's head on a platter. So I think John, just before he's executed, again, it's my speculation, but it's, it's according to everything else we find in Scripture, was glad and ready to give his life as a testimony. Jesus Christ did give his life as a testimony, but he gave his life to save. He's the only one, he's the only one whose death brings salvation. All the other prophets suffered by the hands of their brothers and the Gentiles and the Gentile nations, as would their Messiah. However, they were martyrs, just like the martyrs of the church have been since Christ's coming have died as a testimony, a great and awesome testimony. Very sad, again, Polycarp was burnt at the stake, but a wonderful testimony. I have, I have served and, and my Savior, my Messiah has blessed me these, lo, these 80 years, he's 80 years old. How could I possibly deny him now? I won't do that, I will not do that. And so he burned the stake to be a wonderful testimony throughout time. And you know I have the Book of Martyrs, so you can read about these testimonies. John the Baptist was also a testimony just before the culmination of not a martyr. Jesus Christ was not a martyr. He is not a martyr. He is a savior. He, he suffered. He suffered the death, the agony, the, the killing, the murder, the unjust murder, and he was reconciled by being raised. He's the only one. He's the only one who all of these martyrdoms, all of this suffering, all of these ministries pointed forward to and now point backward, back to. Jesus Christ is the reference point. But this man, John the Baptist, who's a messenger, who's sent before Christ's coming, he's the greatest of all of the prophets to come before the great and awesome day of the Lord, the fearful day of the Lord, but the bright and morning star, the bright and morning glory of the Son of God. Let us not forget the testimony of this man, this man who prepared the way. So finally, all I wanna say is, Jesus Christ didn't just show up on the scene and proclaim himself as the Messiah. By God's providence, which he promised, 
he sent a man before him. It'd be one thing, right, if we had the testimony of this man. All, all sorts of people we've, we've talked about came professing to be the Messiah, tore down walls and made it look like a miracle, all this nonsense. But this one had a prophet, a prophet out of the wilderness, which is where God would typically call his prophets and meet with his prophets, meet with his messengers. Even the giving of the law was done in the wilderness, Mount Horeb, but it remembers during the wilderness wanderings. And this one comes out in the spirit of Elijah to restore all things and to call the people to, into a baptism of repentance leading to the Son of God and to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist baptized with water for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, pointing to the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit once those sins are forgiven. That is regeneration. Baptism signifies that regeneration, which, God willing, we will consider in our next message. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.